The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Greetings. I'm Rob Cox, the global editor of Reuters Breaking Views here in New York. Beth Comstock popped by Times Square recently to discuss her career at General Electric and her new book, Imagine It Forward. Over more than two decades, Beth rose from within the ranks of NBC to become GE's most senior female executive. By the time she retired as vice chairman last year, Beth had worked alongside two storied chief executives, Jack Welch and Jeff Immelt. Uh, She had been the company's chief marketing officer, and she even ran its lighting business. Beth left GE as a new chief executive, John Flannery, took over. The stock has fallen by half over the past year and is in the middle of a pretty painful restructuring. Given that backdrop, I asked Beth quite candidly why she was putting her book out now. Uh, She had some pretty interesting and also candid responses. We also discussed her experiences at GE during the financial crisis, after 9-11, and she offered some views on how companies like GE can better tackle wrenching change and do a better job at generally encouraging diversity. Anyway, take a listen to my chat with Beth Comstock. Great to see you, Beth. Thank you Thanks for, for coming. Thanks for having me, You've written this book. Now, it's a a difficult time to be writing. As a former GE executive, the stock has had a tumble. Um, There's a rethink on the strategy. Um, But you've written this book, Imagine It Forward. I mean, why now? Why would you write this book now, given some of the, the headwinds that the company... That yeah, you well, I started at. writing the book when I was still at GE. I mean, as you know, it takes a while to put a book together. Yeah. Um, and um, I knew I was coming to the end of my GE career, and I thought I wanted to chronicle just a, the time I had seen in business at this kind of crazy time. We were just talking about the financial crisis. I mean, this has been a crazy couple of decades mm. at the turn of the 21st century. And I was somebody fighting for the future, fighting for innovation. And I, it's messy, and I wanted to chronicle that. Yeah. I also wanted to give encouragement to people who are coming up to say you have to fight for the future. And, you know, I, you can't predict the future. That's part of it. I, I feel bad for the situation at GE. I, I think it's a great company. I, I was there. I know it makes amazing things. Um, it, it has been on a path to the future, you know, trying to unbundle its finance past. I think the lesson I take out of it is it's really hard to navigate the now and the future. Hmm. And I think business leaders, Jeff Immelt, you know, in his way, did it, he did a great job and in his time and way had to, had to navigate both of those. But it's really hard. Well, and let's go back to chron- chronologically yeah. in a way. I mean, you, you came in early on. You were in the media side. I, w- I grew up on the NBC side. I worked for a couple of other media companies. Right, right. And and one of the things I saw in your book, you said early on, I misjudged the GE culture and my role in it. I'd be curious because like all of us get you started a company and you you think you see something and it might be different or you realize that actually you over time, you are the one who changes that, yeah. that culture. But I'm just curious, like, let's take us back a little bit. Like when you came in there and you were working for Jack Welch, probably in the early days. Yeah. Um, you know, what was it you what, what did you misjudge? Well, I um, I came out of media, so I was at NBC, which was part of GE, but hardly the same culture. Right. And they had I, Saturday Night Live yeah, in the Olympics, yeah. not you know jet engines. And I was probably one of the few people who ever left NBC to go to GE. Um, but I felt it was part of a it was a platform I wanted to be part of. I wasn't deep in a bu- with a business background, but I wanted to be part of that at a unique time then too. Jack had announced he was going to be stepping down in several years and was starting to put a transition team together. And so he said, I need someone to help think through how we communicate, how we message on transition. So that was the challenge for me. The culture, um, I, I think what I, I, it's a great culture, performance-driven culture, all that was what I expected. 
Um, I think some of the kind of precision, the Six Sigma thinking was amazing for making great jet engines. I think it perhaps put a, a bit of a, um, a challenge on some of the culture because everybody was driven by perfection. And here I was trying to push for new ways, new things of thinking, and that's often in what doesn't go right. Well, you, often you, in the I defects. think you write about how you tried to get Jack to start to look at uh, clips electronically or something, rather than you know looking at, and he was like, "That's for the next guy" or yeah. something like that. Yeah, and I mean, Jack was a great change person in his career, right? He had, yeah. he had changed the business model of GE and was wild, wildly successful and recognized for doing that. And I think my, my lesson is just you have to continually change and transform. And so I think when I came into GE, they had just been on this incredible high. Uh, right. And it was even going higher while I was there. But also looming around the corner was substantial change, 9-11, financial crisis a decade later. And um, the business model needed to adapt. So, so Jack Welch steps down. Uh, Jeff Immelt comes in. And that's, yeah, I think his first day was like 9-11, Yeah, four days it? later or something, um, yeah. And one of your first tasks was to, or one of your first ideas was to, to launch an ad, I think you yeah, wrote about. Yeah. What, explain that and yeah. how you got that thing through. Well, it was at the, it was at, really everybody was in shock after 9-11. Right. And um, I proposed we do an ad. And uh, it was really an ad to say, like, let's get our American spirit of innovation and, and resilience and go forward. It wasn't, it was kind of sponsored by GE. It wasn't the right, it was a not a time people were looking to do ads. And right. I used the story because we did an ad and it ended up being just what, what people wanted to see at the time. It was a, you know, kind of don't forget we're great, we can be great. Um, so it was a very spirited ad. And I used the example because it was small in the scheme of things for GE, but it was about taking a risk. It was about um, kind well, of... it could have gone wrong. It could have gone, gone wrong. horribly wrong, It could have right? gone horribly wrong, but it didn't. And we were willing to take a risk. And so part of what I'm trying to do with the book, and I think sort of my mission in, from a business perspective, is just encourage more risk-taking. I mean, imagination is acting on risk, right? That's what I'm trying to say here. And highlighting those kind of small yeah. examples that people coming up in their career can hopefully take encouragement from. So you mentioned the financial crisis. So, so that, you know, after 9-11, you had a, a few years where... Uh, GE was still involved in the, a lot of the financial businesses yeah. that you certainly had been begun years before right. under Jack Welch. You know, it had been a AAA-rated company, and it took advantage of that opportunity in the market, took risk, of, yeah. of course. How did you experience the financial crisis there? Because, uh, you know, we are on the 10-year anniversary, yeah. of course, everybody's thinking about it. Um, but what was your, you know, when did you realize that GE was, was in the same sort of soup that the rest of the, the big financial institutions Well, were. I think, I mean, G had a big position in the capital markets. Uh, obviously, it was quite clear that the that was challenged, mm. and uh, and having, everyone was having challenge getting, you know, paying off their um, their paper the, the yeah. next day. So that was quite clear. Everybody knew that. Yeah, you had the big, that's right, you had the commercial paper yeah, yeah. stuff, which, you, you know, that it turns over in the next day. And exactly. And if someone's not willing to put put up, you, you're in real trouble. Right. right. So I saw in Jeff Immelt and Keith Sharon, who was the CEO, CFO at the time, I mean, it was a it was a crisis, right? The yeah. company potentially couldn't fund itself right, the next right, day, right. so all kinds of action came into place. But I think you just uh, what what happened after that uh, was just the big unwinding of GE Capital, and I I think in some respects, inside the company and outside, people didn't appreciate the complexity that was GE Capital and the gap that was created in yeah. the aftermath of that. And it takes a while to un unpack all that. Yeah. So at the time, I think we all knew, wow, this is serious. But the unwinding of it isn't an easy button. 
uh, even announcing GE Capital is being no. sold, it took it's taken years, and I think that's some of what you're seeing today. I mean, if today. it was like a $500 billion balance sheet yeah. at one point, I mean, you look at the, you know, it, I guess one of the problems was, of course, you had, had it married to this industrial portfolio yeah. of, you know, world-class assets, yeah. uh, you know, jet engines, And they turbines. are amazing. And yeah. Were, yeah, but it, it, it sort of, it's, it was an interesting parable in how companies, I mean, I'd be interested in when you think about your book, Imagining Forward, and, and you think about the way companies iterate and think through their strategies. It's quite easy to sometimes just get fixated on something that's working really well exactly. without thinking what the, where right. it's going. And that's, that's why I wrote the book, really targeting people earlier in their career just to start thinking about these things. You have to have these scenarios to, to plan for. Now, you can't plan for every eventuality. Yeah. I mean, we could have sat around, a, I don't know how many conference rooms we could have sat around and imagined, uh, is, the, is the market going to, is Lehman Brothers going to go bankrupt? And right. is this whole thing going to have, a financial crisis going to happen? No. And we, you know, but... Are you resilient enough to figure your way out? And I think GE took steps to do that. Was it enough? Was it fast enough? History will judge. But the strategy was to make it more industrial, to focus more on the high tech, eventually to bring digitization in. I, I mean, I, I think that yeah. was the play that was, that was there. Um, I, one of the challenges, I think, for all of us, as you grow these companies big to scale and the complexity, investors and leaders need to realize it takes time to unwind these. And I'm... I don't know, in this short-term, long-term tension, yeah. do we allow room for resets? Yeah. Do we take resets? I don't know. That's one of the questions Public I have coming out of this. To. No. And, and in complexity is one of those things where sometimes there's good complexity, yeah. and, and sometimes complexity is the, is the enemy. So if you think of you know, the, five, the, billion, the, the GE capital balance sheet yeah. was in and of itself incredibly complex, yeah. right? So, so trying to unpack that yeah. thing, while you, it, makes it, it makes it almost impossible to say, well, how are their engines performing versus Rolls-Royce? And, you know, how is the, you know, you, you can't even bother looking at, not that it's not a complex business, putting, you know, airplanes in the air, but it's uh, it just completely obscured. But I think, mo I think many companies need to think yeah. about this as they're on their march to scale and the markets want scale. And scale is a good thing. It means you yeah. can keep growing, but at the same time you create complexity. And so the ability to unpack that, do it fast, do it competitively, I think every company, as, it's, as it gets bigger, needs to say, do we have this adaptability inherent in our culture? Do we look for precision and perfection in the face of complexity? That's really hard. I mean, in some ways, what John Flannery is doing there seems to be a continuation of that realization. I mean, if you take, take where, you know, where Jeff Immelt was when he decided a couple of years ago, we're just getting out of the hole, not just slowing it down and reducing the balance sheet. We're just getting out of finance in a way. Um, now what you see is uh, uh, even further uh, you know, focus on core, right. a couple of core A march businesses. to simplification, and in a, such a complex environment and complex company, that's really hard. And it's always easy in hindsight. I mean, you, you know, sure. you're, you're looking at all kinds of models of the past and the future and here in the work you do. Mm -hmm. I remember when GE sought to sell NBC, and I had grown up in NBC, and all the market was, you know, the price should have been better. You know, I mean, you do the best that you can, and I think you look back now and say that didn't really belong in the portfolio anymore at that point. Okay, you and say that. I got yelled at by one of your guys. I know, but... <laughs> because Gary Sheffer called me. He, I had written a piece that said, what's NBC doing in this thing? And it was in our column in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. And, and like, the, the, the powers that be at NBC was like, you know, I, I suggested that people just like going to the Saturday Night Live after party, which may have been a bit snarky. <laughs> but it was funny. They that wouldn't how, let us in. We weren't cool enough. <laughs> no, you weren't cool enough. Um, but it was funny how, you know, when we, your, your folks came back, and then a couple of years later, Jeff, in fact, mentioned it, said, you know, okay, 
Yeah. Yeah, you were right. But the, the, it wasn't that I was right. It's just that it, it's one can see if you have this this portfolio or this 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 business, it's easy to get focused or 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 lose your focus or distracted on little businesses that don't really match with the others. Yeah, and also just what could GE do for the future of NBC? In, in a digital yeah. age, not a lot at that point. And I think history's kind of proven it out. You've got the whole Fox to Disney. You've got the, you know, Time yep. Warner and AT&T lockup. So I think, you know, and with the benefit of hindsight, you get an appreciation for how you might have thought about the future back then. Yeah, Comcast yeah. was a more logical owner yeah, for exactly. that asset. No exactly, exactly. So I think, but those things are complex and they're complicated and in the moment, Everybody's judged by that moment. Yeah. Um, and inertia is one of those really, yeah. you know, difficult things. But it is. A, it has been a march to simplification. Yeah. And you know, I think um, I, I think it's hard with that many people with those many businesses. But the company I, that I was part of was definitely yeah. move, trying to move faster. The culture was trying to be more adaptive. Change was happening. Yeah. Now you were one of the you, one of the first real exec, you know, top executive, female executives at GE was, was, uh, what would be your advice to, you know, to create more sort of gender diversity in the place? Uh, just do it. Just hire yeah. people with, who are different. And I think, um, I think all of us suffer from um, hiring people like us, right? We're comfortable with people like us. We like us. Um, and people who think like <laughs> us. And, <laughs> no, I don't always me. like me either. But, <laughs> but generally, we like yeah. people who, who think like us and so, uh, or look like us. Um, and and it's just easier, um, and it's harder to get somebody with a different point of view, a different experience, a, 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 whether it's gender, in, you know, global experience, mm -hmm. racial. Um, and I think you just have to do it. What companies have to do is have a long-term play for this, and it's not satisfying if you've got a job today and you have to fill it today. Um, you really have to start planning your pipeline. You've got to get out and get to know people and know who's out there and start to get them a sense of, hey, this is what I'm yeah. looking for. Cultivate them early. Create those mechanisms to do it. And you just have to take some chances on people. I've seen a much harder filter and scrutiny put on people with diverse backgrounds. And I just mean people who are different. I saw this just even being a marketer in a technology company. Mm -hmm. um, often just having a pattern recognition of, hey, this is happening in media, the digitization of media, you know, videos, streaming videos coming to media. What's digitization for industry? Hey, we're seeing it in healthcare. Consumer data is going to be big in healthcare. People want their, their electricity data. People who often come from diff with different experiences bring a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And what companies do is they're like, yeah, but you don't have enough ex expertise. You're not a healthcare expert. Exactly. Right. So I think infor I'd in encourage everybody just informing teams, work hard to get some of that difference into your, into your team. And it creates tension. And when, when, you f when did you first start it? Well, NBC, I guess. Yeah, I started at NBC in the 90s, yeah. Right, so what, I mean, how have you seen the, you know, the, the opportunities for women change at general at general how did you see yeah. the change at, well at GE I mean I tell a story about my first the, you know the famed BOCA which is the annual meeting mm -hmm. and uh, my first my first BOCA I, I, uh, I go and they had taken the women's restrooms and turned them into men's restroom because there were so many men and so few women that the women had to go like behind the corner down the hall behind the cafeteria or something um, and over the years, like we got our ladies room back and the lines were equal. And I used to just joke that that was a fun way of seeing progress. But I did see as GE got more global, it got more diverse. It got opened itself up to have people who were marketers and people who were technologists all doing different things in a way they hadn't. And I, I really, I think the leadership team at GE did a good job of fighting for difference um, and making it a priority. 
And so what's next for you? You've got the book, so I imagine you're going to be talking. I, I've got a, I've got a fall plan. This was supposed to be my gap year. I was going to okay. take a year and wander around and figure out what's next for me, and instead I threw it in, in myself into the book. So I'm excited that it's out. Um, and I'm going to figure out what's next. I am still, I'm on the board of Nike. I'm on the board of National Geographic. Um, I'm trying to decide do I want to go back into a big company job or am I better suited as a coach or an advisor to CEOs who are scaling companies? I, I think that may be my sweet spot. Yeah, what is it? What, 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 how does, how does being, uh, having been at GE, how does it inform your role as a director at some of these companies, either in terms of the way you um, hold the CEO accountable or the, the kind of information that you yeah. look for? Well, because I'm such an innovation junkie and to me it was all about market-based innovation, new commercial models. I think I just try to ask questions about, are you innovating fast enough? Are you picking your head up and looking and seeing what else is out there? So you're not copying the competition, but you're not surprised by them. You're not right. caught off guard by something. And I'm big on culture. I think you can't drive change in any company unless you focus on the culture. So I think I become on, on the boards I serve on as well, an advocate. GEGs, or Nike's a very interesting one. You've had this, this sort of gender question, this real issue. How does that, how does at the board level, what, what role do you play in that? Well, I mean, one, it's just to make sure things, active steps are being taken and that the, the teams are doing the right things, and I trust they do. Mark Parker's a really, really great CEO, very focused, um, grew up in the culture. Sure. But I think our role is just to ask good questions and to make sure progress is happening, and so far that's what I'm, what I'm seeing. Okay, so you've got a lot, you've got, there's a lot in the book, before we close, there's a bunch of, you have a lot of advice and lots of thoughts and things. What, is there sort of like one, like a little, what would be your like two or three most important pieces of advice yeah. for an innovation junkie? Well, I, I want, I think change is part of everyone's job, so get ready for it. That's the first thing. I think you have to give yourself permission to test and learn things, try things. We all want perfection, and we can blame it on quarterly results, but it really starts within, within each team. Um, and so we've got to create space in our organizations to plan for the future. Are you fighting for the future of your organization? And it's not something you just delegate to an innovation lab or a chief innovation officer. Everybody has to do that, especially now with technology and digitization. What are you doing to get ready for the future? That's, that's what I'm asking, and I think you do that by taking simple steps, testing things, spending time outside your company, learning where trends are happening, and I think everybody can do that. Well, thank you, Beth. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, thanks for having for me. Thanks for coming to Times Square, and uh, good luck with the book. That's all for this week's episode of The Exchange. This podcast was produced by Ben Kellerman. If you haven't already, please sign up on iTunes and anywhere else you satisfy your audio cravings for The Exchange, The Views Room, and other Reuters podcasts. You can also check us out at BreakingViews.com and on Twitter at BreakingViews and at Rob1Cox. Thanks for tuning in, and adios. Adios.